listening to Chicken in a Bag, a real-life comedy podcast designed to lighten you up, make you laugh, and get you off your ass. Now that's Kristen being Kristen. Are you freaking kidding me? Start the show. What's up, everyone? It is Kristen. It is another episode of Chicken in the Bag podcast. Like I say every week, I know a lot of people like chicken in the bag. What is this? And like I explained, it's a metaphor for life. I always think life is interesting. There's so many people out there. We all have differences, but we also have a lot in common. So we just like to throw it in the pot every week, stir it up, talk to somebody new each week, and see what comes out of the pot, right? Uh, so today I'm pretty excited. We're going to have a friend. Uh, his name's John Solo. He's an actor. He's a producer of content. He's a restaurant owner in New York, and he's a dad. He's just doing it all. So I'm going to call him a dad of all trades. We're going to bring John in here. And I'm going to add him to the show. And we're going to say, what's up, John? How are you? Hey. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. I'm so excited to chat with you. I want to talk with you because I really feel like we have a lot in common. We're both two people that do a lot of different things. Um, we're both in the restaurant industry. We're both parents. Uh, you know, we both have a, a performer background. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you grew up. And uh, tell us about you, John. Awesome. Uh, I grew up in New York City on the northernmost part of Manhattan, uh, a little past Washington Heights. It's called Inwood. Okay. So to give you an idea, Manhattan ends on 218th Street. Uh, okay. I grew up on 207th. Okay. Way up there. The, the, the way up there, yeah. Right. You know, went to high school in the Bronx, um, went down to NYU. Uh, you know, and it takes time to kind of find what you like to do. And it took me a lot longer, probably uh, years after college also. I just started kind of like working from Nickelodeon to, to Wall Street. And then eventually I kind of find my place just by working in the restaurants and eventually took ownership of my first place with a bunch of partners. Wow, that's really cool. So you worked in Nickelodeon yeah. and you worked Wall Street. So you kind of really learned a lot of different types of life and business. So Nickelodeon, what did you do at Nickelodeon? I was working as a production assistant on Blues Clues, the original Blues Clues. Yeah. Oh, okay, with Steve. With yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I would steam, you know, iron, steam iron his clothes, and uh, I met I met Mr. Rogers on set, which was nice. He came by and visited us. Uh, okay, now I'm jealous of that because I'm kind of obsessed with Mr. Rogers, and I've been talking a lot about him lately. It seems like you know when we watch the way kids are being raised now, and you know discussing a lot of topics that are out there, I kind of think of Mr. Rogers because I grew up on the Mr. Rogers show and I really think sometimes the way I think really goes back when I watched the movie with Tom Hanks about him and I was kind of like oh I think I think Mr. Rogers is kind of like the reason I think a lot of the things I think I didn't realize it was my mom and him mixed with like the mindset of empathy and kind of like being interested in different people and not really judging certain things so uh, that's really cool that you got to meet him I'm really jealous of that it is it is um but you know, really what it was I, was, I was taking these jobs because I knew I wanted to kind of find an outlet for creativity. Yeah. I just didn't know how and where, and that was like the closest thing. Eventually I realized that wasn't it either because at the end of the day, having a production job, you're, it's, it's like any business, right? So I just didn't feel like I was getting any creative outlet from it. Right. So eventually I just moved around and then of course financially things started coming into play where I'm like, I need to make some money. Yeah, I mean, I mean, money, we don't really like to have to make it, but we need it to get around. So that kind of like, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. You get to that phase, you're like, all right, I need some dough in the pocket. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is great, but I mean, I want to do some things. So yeah. wait, what did you do on Wall Street? Were you like a trader or like what type of stuff did you do there? I was working for a software company called Wall Street Systems. It was it was a software system for traders. Okay. So I was kind of like a middleman liaison between the clients and the company. Okay. Um, in many ways, it was probably the heyday of, of the economy because I felt like I had a cubicle, I had a job and a year in, I could, it's, it's long enough now that it's safe to say, I really wasn't doing anything. And I was getting paid a, a nice amount of money. I would just kind of set up meetings for meetings to other meetings. So we'd go to a meeting, I'd go, let's set up meetings for the next meeting. So I really wasn't doing much. So, but luckily eventually I stepped away because I realized I can't take this anymore. But that's interesting. I, I did a little little nine to five myself. I did a little corporate America. Yeah. Didn't really like it. It really wasn't like the fit for me. So I, that's why I think we have like a lot in common and I, I can kind of relate to your story. Uh, I found the restaurant industry because I actually had a woman harass me at my job. And when I spoke up, I got demoted and I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to go get treated like shit, I might as well go to a restaurant like, and tell like somebody like what I think. So that's how I kind of fell in the restaurant industry. How did you 
find the restaurant industry and what did you like about it? Well, first, let me say it's in my blood. Like my dad had a little coffee shop downtown. That's what I was going to ask. The, the, Greek, the, Greek, the whole Greek diner world. I've had uncles and aunts uh, within the Greek diner world. So I always worked in them. So I knew how to work in one. Like worse, I knew how to deal with customers, um, bussing tables, taking orders, working registers. So I knew all that. Um, so that was a very easy transition for me going into bartending first. And then from there, uh, investing into my first bar. That's great. So I love the fact that you grew up in like a Greek diner because I mean, there's just, I don't know, everybody has like their favorite diner that they go to. I don't know, like at, at other parts of the country, but in Boston, you know, there's so many different types of diners, different types of food. You bring like those traditional plates or like those, those blue plate specials or the, or the classics, you know, and I'm actually currently working in a breakfast place right now because my bar closed. Uh, for the winter because of coronavirus. So I picked up a breakfast job, some poor coffee. And it was like a whole new world to me, John. Like when I was having to learn like how to how many different ways to have your damn eggs. I'm like, I just thought you had eggs and and, and bacon soft, bacon crispy, breaking this, like crispy this. And I was like, oh my God, it took me forever trying to learn how to bring everything in. But that is great that you started off in that industry because that was probably getting some thick skin. I mean, because you probably started working. Like, how old were you? They put threw you in the diner and started working. My dad threw me in when I was eight years old. Uh, I I would work the register when it was really busy. I wasn't ringing the register fast enough and hard enough because it was these old school registers. Right. And I didn't give change fast enough. He would be yelling like, "Faster, faster! Work with more nerves." <laughs> And I guess that's where the anxiety came from too. Yeah, right. You're like, oh my god, oh my god, yeah. But that's actually a great point because I think that's something about that industry that it teaches you multitasking, and it teaches you a second gear. You know, like you know, sometimes when you get like that new kid that comes in, and you're like used to going at a million miles an hour, you're like, why is this kid so slow? You're like, second gear, second gear, and they don't really understand that, you know. So it, you that's do learn so many great skills in that type of business. That's one of the biggest things now I watch as an auditor now at times when I'm not working behind the bar. As an auditor, when I look at the staff, it really comes down to that. Can someone turn in, like you said, the second gear, third gear? Right. Uh, you know, I've had great, great waiters that maybe one or two that were able to keep one consistent gear and make it work. But in general, you need to see that next gear turn on when it gets busy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, I was just talking to somebody earlier today about the restaurant industry and like what a great lesson it is for the world, you know, because you have to be able to think on your feet. You have to take, you know, uh, verbal abuse. You have to like multitask. You can't wear on your face. You have to really handle it. And mm -hmm. I always say everybody should do like like a little bit of time in a restaurant to kind of like build up that mental toughness for like the business world. You know what I mean? I almost think it should be like part of like a high school curriculum. Like, all right, go in a restaurant for a little while and just, you know, learn about how to adapt to different people. And I think that's one of the reasons I like doing this podcast is because, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you're a bartender, someone sits in front of you. Now we're giving them the thing that if they're having a bad day, it's going to either escalate them really like, you know what I mean? So you have to be conscious of like, what's this person's mood at? How can I help them? Like, what's their story? And I, I just became a lover of conversation and getting people's story. What are the thing? What did you love about bartending? Yeah, I think that's, that's what it was. I think, I think the idea that you could just kind of like your energy really dictates the whole room. Right. I've worked in, in numerous places from small little cafes to big bars that have a lot of action. But at the end of the day, I loved kind of getting into that mode. I tried to work to maximize my potential in the sense of whenever I worked any shift because that was the only way time flew too. People were having more fun. Um, and in general, that's how I take life. In general, like even if I'm feeling a little down and emotionally off, I just try when I'm at work to just shake it off and just go at it. You know, and that's important, especially in the hospitality business. Completely. That's I, that's like my biggest line that I say to all my, my like coworkers. I'm like, all right, you're having a bad day. Shake it off at the door and come in. And, you know, because you're here. I would say you're here for an experience. OK, mm -hmm. like everybody has shitty things in their life, but they're coming to you for an escape. So if you're wearing it in your face, that's not really going to help your night. And it's not gonna it's not gonna be what the customer wants. And they have a and you know, Yelp, I don't know if, if you have any issues with Yelp, but like back when like before everything shut down, Yelp was like the bane of our existence. It's like, oh my God, like you need to work in a restaurant for a day before you have this comment. Like, I don't walk into your employee and think like watch you working at your desk and be like, oh my God, she didn't smile when she answered the phone three times, you know, because I think it gives people a false sense of knowing what is really going on. 
So um, I, I have a big problem with the way that people sometimes will just go in there and they did this and they did that. And I'm like, yeah, but do you understand what was even going on around the place? And so um, I think that's a really that's a really great point. Shake it off and, and, and give them a good time. That's what they're there for. Absolutely. And, and like you said, we are in a world now of Yelp and reviews and it's so vital. I mean, we take we take our Yelp reviews seriously. And yeah. Every once in a while we get one that's just completely off putting. And we try our best because, you know, as long as you, as long as the majority are good, mm -hmm. although the Yelp is interesting where sometimes what, what irritates me is someone will write, what an amazing experience. The food was great. The host was amazing. Everything was great. Three stars. And you're like, why didn't you just give it the five? Like, well, you, you said, you said everything was great. Right. What do we have to do for four? I mean, seriously, those are three. Jeez. Because most people aren't going to read the reviews. They're just going to see the star rating. And yes. So. I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. And I think that goes into like a lot of what with social media too. You know, I think this is what a lot of people aren't realizing. It's so easy for us to just type away. And like, we're not really thinking of like, who's on the other side of that, of that statement. Like to me, I remember back in the day, it would be like, you didn't like something, you'd grab the manager and you would give the manager the opportunity to kind of smooth the situation. Mm -hmm. And now people are just so easy, like, oh my God, yeah, it was great. And then they go home and they just bash you. And and I, and that's something I think about what's even going on with like the way we handle our, our Twitter feed and our and our Facebook feed and our, uh, like, there's so many comments and we just say it like, it's like, I'm gonna say all this stuff about this person. It's like, yeah, but do you realize another human beings on the other end of that? And I think some people don't realize that. Like, I don't think they realize that an owner who's working really hard or a server who is really trying to give you a good time, they kind of take it personal. Like you almost like feel really bad. Like, Oh my God, I, I can't believe that person didn't have a good time. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, we take, we used to take ours very seriously too, because it really affects your business. You know? Yeah. I've, I've had a customer in the past who left two horrible Yelp reviews and yet was a customer weekly. So you know how awkward that was? I was like, we sit and be like, at some point, do we have to speak to him? Like, dude, you like this place. You come once a week. Maybe can you take that Yelp review down? Let me, let me know right here. You know me. Can you just tell me like, hey, John, this sucks today. You're still coming. You're still coming. Like, so, so John, you're a dad. I'm a mom, yeah. right? Now, um, how, how many kids do you have? I have two kids, a boy who's eight years old and a little girl who's four. Okay, so your kids are little. Now I know, um, you know, I've been in the business for over twenty years in Boston. My husband works days, I work nights. I'm always like, oh, that's why we're so happily married. We'll be married forever. Uh, you know, what are some of the challenges you have now having little kids? Because my son's seventeen, and I was really lucky. Dad was really hands on, so I'd be at work at night, and he would take over. H how does that work? Do, you know, is there a juggle for you and your wife with this whole like running two places? Yeah. So my wife was working um in the fashion business uh till last year okay uh, she thought she was going to transition to another company and then corona happened uh, but now she's working from home she got another job uh working from home in general the coronavirus has done one good thing for me it's made my hours a little better in the sense of where i have an amazing team here at cantina taco so what i do is i usually work now for the first time ever in my life i've been working daytimes and then I usually make it home by six, seven o'clock so I can make it home to put the kids to sleep. Yeah. So and I are there. Um, where it gets a little more difficult now is uh, my eight-year-old is involved in a million sports. So I'm also like juggling, like taking him to basketball, taking him to lacrosse, taking him to baseball. Right. So it's a constant um, juggling act where obviously my wife has to take some of it and then I do. But lately... The, for the first time ever, I've had nighttime at home, which has been amazing. Yeah, because I never had that either. That's yeah, I'm not going to get used to it. But for right now, it's been just because also we, we're, we closed at 10 o'clock under Governor Cuomo's law. Now it's become 11 o'clock. Yep. So, you know, instead of running till three in the morning like we used to, it changes the game a bit. Yeah, I mean, that's a big that's a big thing. I think so many couples like, you know, you work different schedules and like, you know, you kind of you try to make it work. And I think that's why teamwork is so important in a marriage. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, I've been lucky to have the husband that was like, OK, fine. I get the nights. You got the days, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it is it is a big difference. Like I've always been working till two o'clock in the morning. Same thing for me. Uh, coronavirus ca came. I, my bar closed and I was like, all right, well, I'm, I don't want to sit home for the next couple of months. So I found a breakfast place, mm -hmm. a Greek, a Greek breakfast place. And um 
And now I'm on the day shift. I'm like, damn, this is crazy. I used to be going to bed at three in the morning and now I'm getting up at five in the morning. So that was like a completely different world for me, like adapting to like the, the different schedules. But uh, it's been kind of interesting. And, and it is kind of cool because same thing, like I have a love hate with past like 2020. Like there was so many awful things that happened in 2020 in certain ways, but then it really opened up so many doors of adapting. And I really feel like, and just learning things or just spending more time at home at night. So it was kind of an interesting experience for myself. And it sounds like you had a very similar one yourself. Absolutely. I mean, it, everyone's talked about how the positives are being, you know, spending more time with the family and all that. Um, you know, the thing with me too, though, when I would do late nights, I also have an issue. I just, I wake up early too. Oh, so wow. Like burning both sides of the candle. Um, so this is kind of, it, it, like coming home at three in the morning, waking up at seven thirty because I didn't want to waste time and see. I wanted to see the kids and see my wife, and mm -hmm. I knew that later at night I'd leave again. So, what 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 COVID in twenty twenty definitely brought to me was a level of taking care of myself a little better, um, figuring that out a little better. Because as I'm getting older, if I want a long game in this, <laughs> I'll have to start being a little more careful and taking care of myself. I used to just work my buns off, no sleep, and, yeah. and get to the point where I get, you know, a cold or to the point where I had to be home for three days because I, had right. cold, and I was sick and I was burned out. Yeah. And, and, and I want to stop that now. As I'm getting older, I want to find a better balance where, yeah. hey, I could do this today or no, I can't do that today. I, I try to, that's the negative of doing too many things. You know, you could do it. I don't believe, I believe in the abundance, uh, yeah. I believe in that you're able to do it all but I do have to find a way to balance out and throw in some rest and self-love in there too. So that's what I've been working on. I think that's a great point. I think, as, I think especially being an owner, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people, and I think also there's such like a, a culture right now of hustle and grind and you can have it all and what you can, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you also have to say, hey, uh, today's not the good day or today, or right. oh, because I'm I'm a big fan. Like I don't like a lot of stuff in my calendar. I'm the opposite from a lot of people, but I, I have the luxury. I am not an owner. I am a worker. And I think when a lot of people don't realize how much goes into ownership. And I think there's a lot of people out here right now, like trying to build brands and trying to build a business and they don't understand the sacrifice that goes with it. It's like 24 hours a day. And especially with restaurants, seven days a week, you know what I mean? It is not glamorous. It's not glorious. You know what I mean? You have those days that the fridge breaks, somebody calls out sick. So you're really juggling a lot of stuff and it all kind of falls on you. One thing I think is interesting. I want to talk about you have two places, correct? Two uh, Two, yes, right now. Yeah. So first one's Cantina, Taco, Tequila. tequila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I want to say Tequila, but it's Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's something about Tequila. It's like it's not good to people. So yeah. um, that's like my big joke when I order Tequila. Yeah. What made you open a, um, a taco place? Being from a Greek, like what made you kind of like that? You have, do you have a love for Tequila? Well, no, it was years of me thinking to open up of just a, really at first it started with a fast food taco place. I was looking mm -hmm. at something in Midtown. Okay. Um, then I found an area out in Westchester called White Plains. And when I found the space, uh, at that point, I, I, I saw a friend of mine who I grew up with. And he actually opened up a cantina, taco, and tequila in Harlem. Uh, so I went and visited him. I fell in love with the concept. Uh, and we got together. I said, hey, I'm about to open a taco tequila spot up in Westchester. Why don't you come see it? Um, and thankfully I did uh, great partners and, and, uh, it helps a lot, especially when I have so many other things on my plate, I need yes. a partner and it also a lot of shortcuts because a lot of things I was able to bring in that I thought were important, but he also had so much from the one location in Harlem that we were able to just cut and paste up here. So yeah. that really worked and helped a lot. Yeah, that's such a great point because I really think like if you're going to go into business, a good partner really makes a big difference because everybody has their skill set. Yeah. So sometimes some owners like, you know, one owner is really the paperwork guy and the other guy is like the concept guy or yeah. one person's the people person and one person's like the money person. Some people just aren't good at some people don't have all of those skills altogether. It's kind of like creative people can create, but they don't know how to make money and people that know how to make money are creative. So yeah. I think that's interesting when you combine with the right force. Uh, your second place is the Grand. And where is that? Is that in New York City? Yeah, that's in Astoria, Queens. Okay. So, yeah, that we've been there for a long time. I've been there for going on to 15 years. Okay. What uh, kind of place is that? That's like a big outdoor um, 
like there's an outdoor element, there's a big indoor. It's almost like a, it started off as a cafe, but we do everything. We do breakfast, lunch, dinner, cocktails, DJs at night. So it is literally a 20 hour day operation. Wow. There, one of my partners kind of operate, manages it. I used to spend three to four days a week there. Now I'm down to one, sometimes mm -hmm. one, uh, which was good. I had to cut something off and that was part of the self-love that I was talking about. Um, but it's, yeah, it's there. Luckily we just reopened 25%. Now we're going to 35%. Okay. Um, and it's been a, it's been a wonderful place for the neighborhood. It's really, Astoria was a really big, like Greek, Italian, Albanian neighborhood. Uh, it was getting gentrified. We came in there about 14 years ago and opened up sort of the, the new, uh, Manhattanites that moved into Astoria. And it's been it's been great. It's a great neighborhood place. It's been there forever. So it's wow, so that sounds fun. Yeah, it is. That's a big undertaking, though, John. Because you know, sometimes like you know, some people are either the morning place or they're the afternoon place or they're the night place. But to do all three, I mean, I can't even imagine like what it's like staffing that and like all of all the juggling pieces. Like who's performing tonight? That's a lot of stuff. But that's I love that because it sounds like it's a really fun. Thing to have in your neighborhood and you probably have people that just look forward to it now when you guys were you guys closed during the winter i know there was a lot of restrictions we had a lot of restrictions in boston yeah. so um what were some of the restrictions like for you guys with that place like how did you guys we how did you guys adapt and work through that process because i know some places here hibernated for the winter and they're yeah. reopening now that the restrictions are loosening up so and that's kind of I, that's something i also want to talk about like what it was like kind of working through that process as an owner so it, the whole COVID experience in Astoria was very weird because in the summer we were so busy because of outdoor seating right. and because of drinks to go. Like the whole neighborhood was vibrant and youthful and it was really a strong summer. Okay. Once the weather turns, then it was, it was really difficult. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, they, they shut us down. They just said just to go and pick up some deliveries. And we're not that type of place. So we, we stayed open for deliveries. It was okay. We just cut the staff, unfortunately. And um, we just, uh, our landlord was uh, really great. Uh, luckily there, because we've been there for so many years that he kind of helped us through it. Yep. And now we're, and now as we're inching cl closer to the spring, I think we're going to see a huge uptick again. Because we're, the outdoor seating and that sort of neighborhood vibe really helps with the weather. Yeah, absolutely. I think the neighborhood places are going to really, I think that the neighborhood people are going to come out and support neighborhood places really intensely when everything reopens again. That's what my bar that I worked at for 10 years was. It was a neighborhood bar, you know, really cozy. Everybody knew everybody. It was almost like a family. So for me, like that, I went through like a little angered feeling in the wintertime. Like we had to shut down because it was like they broke up our family. I was like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? And like, I think a lot of people don't realize what it's like to build that dynamic on a staff. You know what I mean? It's really hard to find good people that like blend together and know the place and you know people expect what they expect and they know who they're going to see when they come on so i was kind of like oh they took my my people from me but uh you know i'm hoping when we reopen like we see what happens and and uh but the, the i think the restaurant industry is just a general it's just a family i think it's a very different business than a lot of other businesses and the thing that i think was hard for covid for a lot of us is that we couldn't work from home. It wasn't like we could just turn on our laptop and continue to do our job. We were like, okay, now what are we gonna do? So a lot of people were collecting or like, uh, you know, working minimum shifts or just doing takeout food, which isn't what we really do. We're people, we're people persons, you know what I mean? Like people are our thing. So that to me was the most difficult part for me, the three months that I was home. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just being here, there were many days and that's where during COVID I was, upticking my uh my content of yeah. videos because there were so many days i'd be in the restaurant here by myself with the cook right and, you know watching the news getting inspired by watching what people's like different opinions were on yes. i i had i had ample time to to kind of find the humor in it and just have some fun and i, I had people reach out to me and say give us more videos this is a tough time for everyone yeah, and I, I love that because that's one of the things I loved about you when I found you. I find some of your videos funny. And and I know that, like, you know, it's a really difficult topic. And, you know, sometimes when you bring it up, like, people go one way or another way. And, and you know, and, and I, I'm just kind of like, listen, I, I get on this. 
I understand everybody has a different opinion or a different feeling on things, but you know, everybody has to do what works for them in their life. And I think that some people use humor as a way to process things. And then other people are like uber sensitive and, and, and serious. And, and I'm just more of a, a, a humor person. I like to use humor as a way to kind of like talk about the topic or, or work through the process of certain things. And I think you're very similar in that way. And I got a kick out of a lot of the videos that you came up with. And I know you do, uh, I know you're Greek and I know you do a lot of Greek humor. Like I know there's some videos when you're, when you're teaching people certain words. Uh, what are some funny things that you think that are humorous about Greek, Greek culture that other people can get a kick out of? I know like my big fat Greek wedding was so big. What is yeah. something that you love about, about like doing Greek, some of your Greek humor? Yeah, I just think sometimes when you look at some things that as Greek American and Greek, we find normal when I really take it out of the Greek culture and put it into this life here as an American culture. I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> this, is, this is insane that I grew up like, as, and, and I, and I love her to death. My mom, she's the most unbelievable person. But the fact that when I didn't feel well, instead of like, Hey, take some Tylenol, uh, she was putting oil in a water thing and doing some, magic thing to tell me that someone put the evil eye on me uh because of my beauty and my t-shirt was so cool today that someone gave me the evil eye and now i'm gonna have a headache until she puts this oil on my head um i love so, that <laughs> there's, there's so many aspects of that, that yeah being greek is unbelievable like you, you you have so many cultural things that i found normal growing up and as you're getting older and i'm accepting it I'm also realizing, oh man, that's funny. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so true. I think that's what's so funny when you talk to a lot of people. Like, that's why I love hearing like how different people grew up or when you have friends from all different like walks of life and you come over, like what their family's traditions are or what this person and you're like, oh my God, really? You guys do that? So I, I think that's really funny. And I, I love watching some of those videos with your mom where she's like, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, how, do you have a big, do you have a big family or were you an only child? How many kids were in your family? Uh, one, one sister, a okay. year and a half older. Uh, and I had a bunch of cousins. A lot of them were going back and forth from Greece, back to New York. Uh, so I have a I have a, a huge extended family. A lot of them are not in New York anymore, though they left and went back to Greece. So oh, here's yeah. my parents, my sister, um, obviously my wife and her family. So I so and, and I have enough friends that I grew up with from the Greek world that I pretty much know all our common denominator of uh, funny things that we we've grown up with. I love that, Johnny. You also act, right? So I mean, what? Yeah. How did you get into acting? What do you love about it? And, and how do you still find time to kind of, you know, either be an extra or get a little part on something, uh, being a dad running two restaurants, the jack of all, your dad of all trades? Yeah. So pretty much I, there was a point where I remember when I was bartending and I started taking uh, extensive acting classes and I fell in love with it. Um, and I did that for years and I learned the craft and it was, it, it was beautiful. And then eventually I got an agent, eventually got my first few jobs speaking on TV and a few TV shows. Uh, then I got really lucky with, uh, with a filmmaker, Ed Burns. Yes, I love Ed Burns. Yeah, so he, he put me in one of his projects where I had a starring role in this film called Newlyweds. Um, that was amazing. It was an amazing experience. We, we were at Tribeca Film Festival. Then he did his next film, which was called Fitzgerald's Family Christmas, which I had a really nice part that we premiered in Toronto Film Festival. So going to Toronto was so much fun. Um, you know, all these experiences really helped me and, 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 I, and I kept getting better. Um, and now it's gotten to the point where luckily I have a good agent, a good manager. And, uh, you know, there's days where I get an email like today. I just got an email earlier where I have an audition. Uh, I have to read the script, read my lines. Uh, back, you know, a year ago, I'd have to, you know, travel to the city to some casting office to do it. Now I film it from home. I send it to my agent, my agent sends it to the casting director, and uh, you, you hope you get it, you know? Uh, so it's actually, yeah, it's actually gotten to a place where it's really nice and streamlined, where when I get the call for an audition, I, I, I make sure I put in the time, I film it. Um, but what I've learned also in COVID that I, I also jumped back into acting class once a week, just because from all the hurricane of life and business and everything, I allocate a few hours a week, Tuesday night, I go home, and I have a Zoom session with some great actors, and that's been really helpful to kind of get me back uh, 
It, because at the end of the day, you don't want to get rusty, you know? No. Yeah. I, I love that because I think that's so important because there's something about when people become parents or, or you know, you become a mom, you become a dad and, you know, you, you're doing things. You think that, oh, I, I can't do that. Like now I'm a parent. Like I have friends that are musicians and like they still, you know, go to a, a rehearsal space on a Wednesday night and play. And, and one of the things I love to encourage people to do is to get out there and like keep those passions alive because it's only going to make you a better person. And I think acting, acting and performing is, is such a great way to kind of, you know, you know, keep yourself alive and, and, and to, to make yourself get away for a little while or, or express yourself, especially with acting because you're using emotions. I, I do a little bit of comedy on the side. And what I love about comedy is kind of like my it's kind of my place to go and dump a bunch of information because, you know, sometimes you just need a release from like what's going on or people throwing things at you, just watching everything that's going on in society. So you, you kind of like to get up there and just kind of like, you know, say some funny things or try to make people think or try to make people lighten up and laugh. And and it just helps everybody. It, it's good for your soul. And hopefully you're helping other people as you go along. So I think entertainment is just something that if you love to do it, it's your passion. There's no age limit. And just because you're a parent, it doesn't have to stop. Absolutely. And that's and that's the one thing I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, I still have a full tank of gas when it comes to that, you know, yeah. I know that every audition I get is such a blessing. Um, and when I do get a job, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, just leave, get, you know, for a week or two, having a gig, working with some great actors, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. So do you write also, John? Like, do you write? I've done some, I've done some short films that I put together. Uh, some web series that I put together. Uh, luckily, I have a couple creative souls near me. My friend Justin, who we sit down and we're always working on stuff. We produced one film, one feature film together, and I'm sure there's going to be more uh, coming as we as we go along. That's did Now, did you take a writing class? Because I know a lot of people sometimes have projects that they want to do, or they. I, I know I have a whole notebook full of ideas. I'm like, oh, this is an idea, this is an idea, and then I don't really oh, ever like follow through on it. What are some What are some tips you have for people that you know have ideas and they want to kind of get it on paper? Or would it be find somebody else to write with, or would yeah. you suggest a book, or would you suggest a class? Yeah, you know, because I have a few friends who are writers, I see the work that's put into that. Mm -hmm. um, so. I've been able, because of my years of acting and, and reading scripts and auditioning, I've been able to at least get certain ideas, whether it's my sketches, whether it's a short film, I'm able to muscle up that much. When I know it's a bigger concept that possibly a longer TV show or a, or a film, a feature film, that's when I talk to my writer friends, like my friend Justin, and, and we sit down because it's not in my wheelhouse. I mean, somewhere where I have to, like, I know I can't, I can't do it. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know the blueprint. I don't know the work for that. Just like I think, you know, there are some people who are naturally gifted to pick up uh, a script and when they audition, they'll kill it. Uh, but in general, there is a process that you have to kind of learn to figure out how to execute it, you know? Mm -hmm. I love it. Who are some of your influences as actors? Like who were some of the ones that really inspired you to kind of do acting and, uh, and who would, who would be your dream person to work with in a film someday if you ever got the opportunity? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have this great story that I think I put it somewhere on YouTube. It was my one time I did stand up as a fun. It was about an Al Pacino story. Uh, I wrote this story about me being a waiter and Al Pacino being on a diet and him the way he ordered and all this. It's really fun. Um, so Al Pacino's obviously the, the, uh, my 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 mentor without him realizing it. You okay. Know, I love everything about him. Uh, but an actor that I'd love to work with, and I've always, and I actually ran into him once and had a 20 minute conversation with him on the street at a very tough time in my life. Uh, his name is John Turturro. Yes, I love John Turturro. I love him so much. Yes. That day that I met him was an interesting day as actually my dad was closing his little coffee shop after years. Okay. Uh, it was right by, not by the World Trade Center and uh, it was a really rough day because my dad had this place for 35 years and then suffered immensely the last 10 years after 9-11. Okay. Uh, and I was outside actually, you know, crying. I was having like a little bit of a panic attack. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just like, cause it's emotion. Like, cause that's probably like, you know, you've seen it, your dad, you think, you know, childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, being Greek, everyone always told me, this day your dad loses his place, he's going to die. So I was like, oh my God, my dad's going to die, you know, but he did Right, right. But, um... 
I was outside tearing up, feeling frustrated, and, and down the block walks John Turturro, who's this dream hero of mine. And I saw him walk by and I said, oh my God, what do I do? So, but eventually I ran after him and I walked. And I told him at that point, I just finished filming my second film with Ed Burns. He asked me about it. We talked about how the experience was. We had this beautiful talk. Uh, his, his advice was like, you got to keep, you know, never let go of classes and coaching and, and stay on it because you got to get better because you don't know when your age is that you fit certain parts that are going to matter. So, and that was a really nice conversation. I really appreciate it. I love that story because, you know, I'm such a believer that like things sometimes happen for at the right time. Yeah. Like sometimes someone will like cross your path or they'll give you the message that you needed on that specific day. Mm -hmm. And and that's such a powerful message because, you know, so many people will think, oh, my time passed. Like you look at these kids today and like they're 20 and they ha nothing's happened. They're like, oh, that's it. I'm 20. It's done. And you're like, what are you talking about? Most people that are successful, their business in the start of their late 30s or 40s, you know, so many actors, I mean, their careers really don't get getting sometimes to their 50s or 60s. I think even Tina Fey was in her 40s when hers really like took off. So I always like, I think that's such a great message for anybody that's listening or a young person who who's really getting frustrated by the process because I think we're in such a society where everything's like an instant gratification. We just expect like, oh, I'm going to just post this video and everybody's going to see it and I'm just going to be the biggest thing on earth. And it's like, yeah, but then you kind of missed out on so many great little lessons and nooks and crannies by, you know, you know, burning your hand or skinning your knee or falling on your face. You know, like that's what's going to actually give you like the big thing when it really does come. And I love that he said, keep working on your craft and 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 mentors and because you don't know when it's going to happen. That is such such a great advice that he gave you. Like what a, what a cool experience, John. That's yeah. And that's another 2020 experience with COVID. Like, you know, I, I've gone through my moments of uh, victimization of, hey, yeah. I wish this was better. I wish that was better. Uh, overall, though, I usually combat it and just go to work every day and, and plow through it. Um, but I realized in 2020 that if you focus on getting better in everything, Yes. Just put in the work. Think about what you need to get better. What do I need to get better in the restaurants? What do I need to get better as an actor? And forget the results. Just keep working on that. And there I stay centered. That's where I'm at my most focused. Um, the more I'm working and, and understanding really things that I'm doing that I never would have done before. So for example, getting back into acting class was a challenge for me because, you know, after you have 30 credits, professional right. work. You say there's a way I know what I'm doing. I don't need to keep working. And, and, and that's what happened to me. I got a little bit to a point of just like, Hey, you know, I've done enough work now. All I need is the auditions, but no, if I want these auditions to go well, I got to keep putting in the work and keep reading and keep growing. If I want restaurants to grow, if I want them to get better, I got to work on what I'm not doing well. In. That's such a great point because I go into growth, you know, growth comes from you like, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, trying new things, continually trying to learn. And, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hopefully do with this show is get people to grow their mind a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it's so easy for to say, I know everything or I've already done this. Why do I have to do it again? But sometimes you don't know certain things or hearing somebody else's point of view or somebody else's story or experience might trigger something to be like, oh, shit, I didn't know that that was going to be this way or that way. So I think it's, it, that's such a great message because you know, for me, it has been a growth year for myself. I, you know, I was kind of like, I never had 30 days off. And I originally planned to sit down and try to write a book that I've always wanted to do. I'm like, I'm going to try to use this time to be productive. And so many other people like, oh, I'm just going to sit on Netflix and eat food. And it's like, but then like, you kind of got into a whole cycle of just kind of like, just mm -hmm. it, it became a groundhog day. So I was like, I'm going to try to be productive because if I'm not productive, I'm just going to slip. So I think that it's like, I think if you can kind of approach things like, okay, what, what can I do with this? I can't change it. I can't, I, I went through my own victimization or my anger or my frustration. And then I had to kind of say, okay, listen, I can't control X, Y, Z, but I can control how I respond to it and what I can do for other people through it. So that's how I, that's how I've gone through it by saying, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, have cool conversations with people. I'm going to try to uh, make people laugh a little bit. I'm going to try to help lift other people's spirits because maybe they're just kind of like, I don't even want to get out of bed today. So, mm -hmm. and, and then you, it fills you. And then it kind of, you, it kind of goes out there and then you see what happens. So. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I realize that uh, the answer is in things that really get you angry. Meaning, meaning like, you know, I went through a phase now where I'm like, you know, with taking an acting class. I remember I really was angry about, no, nah, I'm not taking another acting. And why was I so passionate about it? Because I knew that was the right place to go to center myself. I knew when I was saying to myself, you know, instead of spending nighttime at, at home after the kids are asleep and my wife's asleep, oh, let me put on the politics and eat a lot of food and just, yeah. you know, <laughs> stop doing that, right? Have a little snack and go read a book. Yeah. What happened to your books? You used to yeah. read so much, you know, and, and, and it, certain things you have to refine and recalibrate yourself. And a lot of times watching your stuff, uh, watching a lot of people online that we're, we're so lucky that we have people that are online, on our phone, that could recalibrate us and help us, put us back into the best place that we can be. You know, I'm thinking about when we were kids, we didn't have this. I know. You know, it's like having your mentors. It's like you could go there and, and you have these great minds out there communicating to us what the future possibly holds. Yeah, I, I, I love that, John. That's such a great point because that's what, another thing I was thinking, like, I, I really had to be careful with my social media and I had to really, um, some, some of them I don't go on as much because I just felt like it was just like nothing but a battle zone. And I was like, whoa, whoa, watch out this landmine. And I'm kind of like, what are we doing? Like, you know, typing away, like trying to, you're not going to change a person's point of view. You can share some information, but if you share it respectfully, I think you're going to get a lot further than attacking. And that's all everybody does. So I had to kind of, I loved Instagram during all this because I could kind of tailor my feed to kind of be like people like I wanted to see that could kind of like make me inspired and want to do more. So that's how I kind of got through it because I was like, it's so easy to get caught up in like that negative, that negative monsoon. You can just be like, woo, swim right in it. And like you said, what made me inspired? What, where are my books? What am I doing to grow my mind? What am I doing to improve my, me as a person? And if you focus on that, then the stronger you are as a person, the more you can be, proactive in, in these in these trying times. You'll you learn how to swim up up to the top of the uh, the wave a little bit. You know what I mean? To not get undercurrent. Yeah. You know? So that's a great, great point. Exactly. You know, and sometimes I I preach and I philosophize all this great stuff to my kid, especially my eight year old who kind of understands it now. Yeah. Whenever he's going through something and I always tell him how to just keep pushing forward. And you know, I always give him that famous Mark Twain quote. It's probably not perfect, but um, a person who knows how to read and doesn't read is just as good as someone who doesn't know how to read, right? And and I then I have to take that philosophy I'm preaching to my son and say, what are you doing about all this? Like, you're, you're great in preaching this, but what are you doing? And the truth is, this year has been a great turnaround for me. Uh, so I'm feeling a lot better for, for that. And yeah, I do it. that's great. I, I love that. And I love that, you, that you're trying to, like, I think inspiring your children almost kind of makes you reflect upon yourself and then kind of pulls you up a little bit. That's what I think is so great about being a parent. You know what I mean? It's like you get to see through the eyes of a child. And I think I love when parents actually share their stories or their knowledge with their children in a respect. Like I, my mom was so good at kind of telling us things, but letting us find our own way. Mm -hmm. And I think when you inspire kids and give them the tools, I think the more you expose kids to certain information, they'll kind of find their way through it. And they're going to be a better human being and a better adult if you allow them to kind of have conversations with them. And I think a lot of people go, oh, they're a kid. I'm not going to say that to them or I'm not going to put that pressure on them. But like that's when they need it because that's what's going to make them kind of be inquisitive or that's what's going to make them trust their gut or that's what's going to make them believe themselves to go out and do the things that that are going to be hard to do. So I, I like that you're sharing quotes with him and and that knowledge and letting him kind of like figure it out. And then it's kind of like you turn it back and look at yourself going, well, I better do it if I'm going to say it to him, right? Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's been, uh, that's been part of the challenge, especially in the transition because the last few years, especially transition, having two kids and, and balancing it all has made it even more difficult for me. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny, but now I feel like the next chapter in life, I'm feeling really good and strong about it because I, I really have put it together now. Like I've worked hard as an actor. I've worked hard as a restaurateur. Uh, I found some great partners in the restaurants and now I just have to like, be better to myself as an actor and 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 more stuff will keep growing from that as well so. right and then you're and you're still juggling the family in the middle of it so i love i love people like you and i we're kind of doing a lot of different things a lot of people think like oh now i'm here 
And this is all yeah. I can do. It's like, no, you can do multiple things. You just have to, like you said, you just have to be good to yourself and you just have to find a way to kind of work this schedule out that you're given enough time to, to the, the different things and then still giving yourself time to kind of take a break when you need it. Yeah, I think you also have to self, like sort of analyze um, prioritizing. So right. what I do is when I know when I put a lot of work into the restaurants for let's say a month, I, I, I feel it in my bones that I'm, I'm off, I'm off. So then all of a sudden I, I start leaning the other way. Right. Start doing a little more reading, a little more acting classes, a little more studying on that and just to calibrate. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing with the family, like same thing. Like if I, if I realize like, oh, okay, I've been working a little too much now, let me make sure today I lock it in, shut off my phone and just sit down with the kids and my wife and just hang out. Uh, or at night, instead of, you know, just kicking back and doing some work on, on some, one of my scripts, tonight is the night we're gonna sit and just watch three episodes of a TV show with my wife, you know? Right. Um, but at some point the sacrifices have to happen and you have to understand when to make those sacrifices. Yeah, I think that's such a great point because that's what you have to kind of do. You know, that's life. And we were having this conversation with a friend the other day. You know, when you work, you really want to make sure that you're you're being mindful of the family time. You know what I mean? Because you feel guilty sometimes. It's, it's really easy. Like, I know I felt that way working nights and, like, never being home. And they were home together, like, four nights a week. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like that lady that just pops in and pops out. You know? So you, it, you just have to kind of find a way, like, hey we need to have a weekend away or, Hey, we need to have like a one-on-one -on -one dinner night or whatever. So, and I think if, as long as you're, you're being mindful of the different phases that you're, you're juggling, you'll be okay. And you can do a little bit of it all. And, and I think that, um, I love the fact that you really just kind of dive back in and you're, you're, you're kind of experiencing all these things again and saying, you know what, I'm going to get back and do it. And, and I just want more people to just get out there and just do more and just like, instead of saying like, oh, well that already passed or that ship sailed, I can't, I can't do that now. I have, I have these things, you know, I, it's just, you're, you're cutting your, it's almost like cutting your arm off. You gotta, you gotta give yourself the opportunity to kind of like at least try and dream. And, and I think dreaming and, and, and testing yourself and pushing yourself is what kind of keeps life exciting. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you have to shake it up a little bit and that's okay. You know, it, it, it kind of, it kind of wakes you back up. That's how I feel. You know, when I jumped back up on a stage like three years ago, I was like, ooh, this is what I was missing. Myself yeah. needed this a little bit. Absolutely. And what happens is when when something happens, whether the restaurant that you open is successful or whether all of a sudden, like last year that we discussed a little bit doing, let's say that uh, one episode on Hunters on Amazon, when yeah. you're on set for two weeks, you're in a dressing room next to Al Pacino's dressing room. Pretty cool. And, and, and you pinch yourself and you say, you know what? You're here. You, yeah. you somehow through alchemy, through hard work, through through just pure magical like hoping. <laughs> and, right. You know, you got to this place, and you don't know what's next. You don't know. You don't know what's the next adventure that that lies ahead. But you have to put in some of the you know some of the work to get there. And yeah, yeah, I, I love that adventure, man. I think you just got to sometimes just jump and see where it goes or, or at least give yourself the opportunity to just try. It's not always going to be good. You're going to have your bad days. I'm sure there's plenty, plenty of auditions you put out. And you don't hear anything or is it no, it's a no, it's a no. And I, I want people to get comfortable with no, like no is going to be part of the process, but you're still going to, you're still going to get out there and you're still going to try. And when you get that, yes, Ooh, it's going to be feel, it's going to be amazing when you do get the yeses. Yeah. And that's the thing, I think I've gotten to the place where if I do a good job and I send it or if I go to an audition room and I kick yep. from what I feel, yep. I'm okay if it doesn't happen because I put in the best work that I could. Right. Where, where it's very dangerous for me and I get really dark is when I go into an audition room and it's happened and I choke up and the best of me I, I, you know, I haven't maximized my potential. I go in there and I just don't do the best work I could do. That's when you go home and, and the regrets hit. And, the, and that takes time to shake off. So I've been just working on that to try to just figure that out as well. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's hard because we have our times that we, we knew we could have done better. And you're like, oh, I could have done better. And like, same thing, like if I perform a set and this is like, and it's just completely bombed and I'm like, why did I do those jokes? I could have done these ones. They're so much better. But I mean, I guess it's just part of the process and you have to learn to just kind of take like 
the bad ones and 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 find a way to kind of like, well, I'm gonna get better next time. I'm gonna figure out why that feeling comes on because there is something about performance that you get those those butterflies or something comes in your, your chest a little bit. You don't know why, but it does. So trying to understand that's kind of an interesting thing. So I can completely relate to that. John, uh, as we start to wrap things up this afternoon, yeah. what is um, a, a, another little goal of yours that maybe you haven't done yet? Like, did you ever want to do like a feature film? I know you've done smaller ones, but do you have like ideas in a notebook that like, or something that you're, you, you plan to do in the next five years? Because I have big goals and little goals. Yeah, yeah. I would say the two the two goals I have as a as an actor and and a, and a creator is um, as an actor, um, nothing will make me more excited. Like I've had a reoccurring part where I've done three, four episodes of a TV show. Yeah, but nothing would make me happier than to have a steady gig in a show for a while. Yeah, It'd be a great experience. I could grow a character and and, and see where it can develop. Mm -hmm. um, but as a creator also, working with my friend Justin now, we have a bunch of show ideas that we're putting together, uh, TV show ideas that he's probably going to go out there and pitch, and I'm helping him put it together. Some of it has to do with uh, my Greek world and my Greek life, uh, right. some of all the concepts that I've, that I've made from, from all the little skits. I'm putting them together in a more extended version, Okay. and hopefully uh, it finds a home, and that would be an ultimate dream. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I like, so, you know, I love the fact that you have like skits and stuff like that. How do you, like when you get your skits together, um, how do you, how do you come up with them? Do you write them down as a little note and kind of work it out in your head or do you, or do you actually like sketch it all out? Cause everyone has a different process of how they do things. Yeah. So I've had ones where I've just put them down on my iPhone notes. I had this yeah. little idea and I'm like, you know, let me work on this. And then for a week or two in the shower, wherever I'm going, I start extending it and I start growing it and figuring it out how it could be funnier. Right, um, but I will say this: a lot of a lot of my favorite stuff has been on the fly, uh, especially with you know you just flip on your can. That's the power of the camera; it's easy, especially for a guy like me, in the middle of running a business, uh, running to my kids' baseball game. The idea is that I have this idea. I flip on the phone, and I try it. And if, yeah. it, if I think it works well enough, I'll post it and just throw it out there. And some of some of my funnest stuff, personally, has been just as easy as that. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, you do want to make it part of my lifestyle too. I, ne I need to find an easy outlet for daily work. Like I was always envious of stand-up comedians uh, compared to actors because stand-up comedians always have a stage to go to if they want every night. They really do. I was in New York uh, actually last March, right before coronavirus. And one of the things I did is I, I was blown away how many open mics a day of there, I was like, oh my God. And my original goal was to go back for a week in the summer yeah. and then everything shut down. I was like, well, that's gonna have to be next year or the year or whatever. But but I, I you know, there's a, so you are 100% right. You can literally hit three to five open mics a day if you're a beast. Yeah, that, that is true. And like, that's actually, have that. Yeah, it's like a completely different world. So, so that's a good thing with that all of a sudden, I was able to take that and, and say, hey, with my phone now, I could just, have these little skits and do these things whenever I want to, whenever I want to express something. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny, it goes through waves. Now, like recently I, I've been enjoying, like I said, a little bit more of the uh, deeper work through my acting classes and through my auditions. And it depends, you know, I'm not, it, I guess it depends on, on the time. You got to feel and understand where you're at at the time, you know? Yeah. I'm sure there's times that you really feel creative and then there's other times you feel more introspective. Yeah. And I think that's part of listening to yourself and, and allowing yourself. Like, you know, I, I always say to people, like, you got to figure out your timing. Like, you don't have to do everything because everybody tells you to do it. You got to do it when it feels right to you because I really feel like if you listen to yourself, it's going to come out better. So I think people have to just kind of learn to listen to their gut a little bit and say, hey, you know what? I'm feeling the need that I want to try this. Give it a try. If it doesn't work out, who cares? But at least you said I tried it instead of saying I didn't try it because if you didn't decide to, you know, try acting, you wouldn't have half of these experiences. And if you didn't go back and take these classes again, you probably wouldn't be getting some of the opportunities that you're getting right now for some of the auditions. So it's only going to better prepare you. So go for all the things that you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. And then and, and just start finishing those books. I had, I had like three books, I think in 2020 that I had in my, in my bookshelf that I read half of them. Right. So it's been such an achievement finishing them putting them on the side, you know what I mean? And saying, this is great. Like where, you know, I have, you always have enough time. Right. What, what, what are some, what type of books you like to read? Do you like to read like self-help or what type of books? Yeah. You like to read? Yeah. You know, it's funny when I was younger, 
I was so embarrassed about my self-help addiction books. And now it's big business. <laughs> no, it's funny. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting more comfortable. I remember I used to take off the covers when I go to the subway. <laughs> I think you just see a blank, a blank book, you know? I know what he's saying. Yeah, like the last thing I read was pretty interesting. It was the, the 12 Rules of Life from this uh, psychiatrist, uh, Jordan Peterson. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jordan Peterson's great. Yeah. He's, a, he's, you know, talking about hot topics. I mean, people either love him or hate him, but you know yeah. what? It goes back to growth mindset. You know, like sometimes you might learn something from somebody that you completely don't agree with everything else. But if you're not going to listen to at least their point of view, then you're not going to know. Uh, what, what, give me a, what, what is like, who, who else has a great self-help book that you really like that maybe you think people would enjoy if they're trying to kind of either, either grow or get back on track? Do you have anything that you would recommend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read so many, so let me start. But you know, there's my favorite writer, even though he's not self-help, yeah. he's a poet, uh, but his stuff really just recalibrates me every time I need it. His name is Khalil Gibran. He, his famous okay. book is The Prophet. Okay. Um, it's really just such a soothing book. It's one of those books that whenever I read all his, all his writings, it really calms me. Um, and it really puts you in a place to just think a little deeper and think a little clearer. So I, I just, I, I love him. You know? oh, I love that because I think we could all use a little, uh, a deeper, clearer thinking. Uh, so motivation, speaking of self-help and motivation, there's so much of it on social media now, which is great. And one of the things I learned during coronavirus, when I was going on Instagram, looking for people for my nightly Instagram live, I couldn't believe how many, how many different like people are on there that you could get really any type of help that you want. Um, are there any, are there any certain voices that you really enjoy listening to that kind of help keep you motivated or fired up? Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think you've, you've dealt with Gary V. It's amazing. I, 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 I always watch what he's posting. I, it's, it just makes logical sense. Like yeah. sometimes, I, sometimes some people are speaking and I'm like, all right, but his stuff is like right at the heart of what, of what that subject matter is. And mm -hmm. it makes logical sense. Like yeah. I, can't dispute it because it's logic. Sometimes in life, there's just logic. So I love what he's doing. I think it's it's a beautiful thing, especially that he's coming out with a positive message. Yeah. I think it's so I think, uh, yeah. I think if you can mix in like real, like I'm, I'm a big positive person, but I always say I live in reality too. I like to look at the good, the bad and the ugly, because I think in order to really be grateful, you have to understand the bad and the good. And I think a lot of people just don't want to look at the bad sometimes. And I'm like, well, then you're, you're missing out on, on, a whole piece of the story or the point of view, you know what I mean? And, and I, it helps me kind of understand the way the world works. I, I'm a big fan of like the Rocky Balboa quote that like life ain't all rainbows and sunshine. You know what I mean? Because I think it's so true. It's like, you're going to get knocked down and it's going to be tough, but when you learn how to work through things, it's going to help you. So um, I, 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 I really dig people that are really authentic. And I think sometimes the best advice is just that simple advice. It seems so, like logical and simple, but like, you're like, Oh, pff, I should have known that, you know? So I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And then you, you know, there's podcasts like Tim Ferriss yeah. and, you, and you hear about all these great successful people that have been through the ringer. Right. So those times when you're knocked out and you're like, this is only happening to me. No, this is, this is, the game. this is the game. You get knocked out. How quickly can you come back up? Like Rocky says, how quickly can you come back mm -hmm. and, and, and try to get better? Yeah. And you're gonna get knocked out again. Yeah. And we only see the success and that's it. We don't see what's behind there. So, you know, we're lucky. We're lucky we have these people out there that are that are out there and so easily accessible. You know, back in the day, I don't know about you, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't have anyone around me that I could go to as a symbol of success. Yeah. Like this was this was passed on in certain country clubs and, and, and conversations with families that I wasn't a part of. Mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I appreciate that even at this age, I have it. Yeah. So I look at younger people, I'm like, you are so lucky because you're you're able to get mentored from some amazing people out That's there. Great. And a couple books. Some of them financial, if you want to get into finance. There's yeah. guys out there like the guy Chatham. There's this other guy, Thomas Lee. There's so many people out there if you're looking at finance, if you're looking at restaurants, if you're looking at acting. If you're looking just in general self-help, they're, they're out there. And it's yeah. it's, a, it's an amazing time. And we're lucky. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's like, you know, I, and that's what I think so many people don't realize. It's like, yeah, we can sit there and be like, boo-hoo, everything sucks and it's not fair. But then you can also be like, 
but wait, you have all this opportunity, like, which we, you know, I didn't have, like, I mean, I was lucky to have a mom that really like gave me a lot of really great lessons in moral fiber and like encouragement, which was great. Cause I was very blessed. So I always feel guilty because I'm very lucky because not everybody does have a parent that encourages me. I have a lot of parents that tell them what they have to do, or what they can't do. Absolutely. So I was like, yeah, the opposite. So I, I, I think this is a really great note for us to wrap up on is that, um, it's an exciting time. It's a difficult time, but it's also an exciting time. And, you know, like John said, uh, there's so many opportunities to fill your soul. There's so many ways for you to learn. Uh, you know, there's never an age limit on going after your dreams. And even when tough times come, we have to dig, dig deep and figure out how to get through it. So John, I really appreciate you coming on here and you know chatting with us and sharing some of your life experience and some of your knowledge and all the different things that you're juggling, dad, restaurateur, actor, creator, and um, continued success. And I hope you do get one of those shows yourself someday. I, I will definitely tune in if you do get your show on. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you know what? There's, I, I can assure you one thing, and, and I'll say this, and I'm sure for you as well, is you put in the work, you keep a great attitude, and there will be some future adventures, for sure. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> I totally agree. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, John. I'm just going to let everybody know. Uh, next week, we're going to have voice actor uh, Joe Gaudet on. He's amazing. He's really fun. So I hope you guys uh, tune in next Monday, every Monday at 3 p.m. Uh, Chicken in the Bag podcast, just sharing interesting conversations, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you, and goodbye. This episode of Chicken in a Bag is over. This episode of Chicken in a Bag is over. She's got to get back to being a mom, wife, bartender, therapist, comedian, you know, real life stuff. But you can catch more episodes of Kristen being Kristen on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe. Catch you next time.